Hello and welcome to the Raptors Reaction Podcast on Sportsnet 590 The Fan, brought to you by Campbell's new Chunky Spicy Soup. It's time to get fired up. You ask me, am I fired up for a win over the Charlotte Hornets in February? And my answer is, I'm fired up for any Raptors win. Like, it's been a while since I've been able to say those words, Raptors win. Um, you know, it's it's not like they've been on some crazy losing streak. It just feels like a lot of things are caught against them. They've had a couple of no-shows. They had that really close game against OKC that should have been won. Um, and last game of the road trip here, you're playing the Hornets. I mean, they're, they're terrible, of course. They're 10 and 40 on the season, missing several pieces. But, I mean, look, it's not like the Raptors are that good themselves, right? Like, I don't think, you know, they can take any opponent lightly. Like, they could play anybody. And it could either be a really close game. They could maybe play up towards a contender sometimes to push them like they did OKC. But... You know, a lot of times they don't they don't show up, which uh, we have seen on this road trip with uh, Houston and, and New Orleans. And sometimes they play down, too. And I think that, you know, relatively speaking, the Hornets, I mean, yeah, they were shorthanded. There's no doubt. But they came out with a really great effort. And the Raptors once again fell down double digits. And I think that that was the part that was really annoying. Like the Raptors, Darko has to call timeout 12-3. Right. There's like three minutes into the game. He has to call timeout because they're down 12 to three. And it's like, that's the exact same thing that we just saw against the Pelicans. Now, at least against the Pelicans, you might say, well, okay, it doesn't feel so bad to like, okay, you know, Ingram is having this incredible shooting display and, um, you know, Zion is Zion, of course, generational talent, uh, as long as he figures it all out. Um, you know, CJ McCollum's a really good scorer, has been in his whole career. Uh, JV's always been a really solid player as well. Like, maybe you might just look at that and say, okay, that's not so bad. But, like, against the Hornets? You know, like, there's just no there's no real excuse for that. Like, I mean, you could say that certain guys were hot. I mean, the, the Hornets definitely had guys who were on fire. Um, you know, Cody Martin, he looked incredible. Uh, he couldn't miss a shot. And same thing with Miles Bridges. And I think... You know, seeing those two just tear up the Raptors and give them the lead and and the Raptors just making, you know, bad plays um, on both ends. It just uh, it took the wind out of your sails a little bit just to be like, look, I, I understand that, you know, it's wins and lessons, but still at the same time, like would love to see some standards maintained. You know, one of the standards is we're not losing to the Hornets. Um, or at least you compete with the Hornets. And I think credit to the Raptors, they stayed within striking distance. Like it wasn't like they fell down like 30 or something. Um, even with the Hornets making every shot, you know, the Raptors offensively got off to a slow start for the starting unit. It didn't really feel like at any given moment that the starting five was actually that good because Raptors starting five came out of the second half slow as well. And, you know, uh, they ultimately didn't finish with the starting five. They finished with Dennis in place of Gary. Now, it doesn't necessarily mean that Gary was the one who was stalling the offense. If, if, if anything else, it was actually Gary who um, did a lot of the scoring for the Raptors to start the game. He had two threes. Uh, he had like four threes early on. Um, but I think defensively, the Raptors really needed that boost because they really just couldn't guard well. Uh, for a lot of the game. And it, it really did take a really strong defensive effort from the Raptors to hold Charlotte to 20 points in the fourth quarter for them to have a chance to flip it at the end there. And, um, you know, if we fast forward to the end before we go back to the beginning, I think um, the, the key things were, number one, okay, how do you stop uh, Bridges, who was knocking out a whole bunch of shots, but also was, you know, a beasting down low and, and just, uh, again, difficult pill to swallow, especially considering, you know, uh, just that he's an awful human being, like genuinely awful human being. And 
um, should not be in the association by any means. Uh, but putting even putting that aside, like you know, just on the basketball front, which is just a crass thing to say, but like, what are you supposed to do against him sometimes, right? Like he he's taking the threes, he's he's you know getting downhill. You know, it started with RJ. I thought, I mean, first off, RJ was the one who was getting torched by him for the majority of the game. So I'm not saying that RJ had a really good defensive game because that's just not true. But one of the final times where, you know, you started to see one of the last times in the game that you actually started to see Bridges try to attack was he had the ball up top and he was trying to attack RJ and RJ first off poked it a free from him. So he had to go back and get it and then come back at him. And then RJ stayed in front of him, forced, uh, cut him off and forced Bridges into taking a contested mid-range pull-up. Now he had made a bunch of mid-range pull-ups um, but that one, he like badly clanked off the glass. That was the first time pretty much all game where certainly for RJ to stop him, but also for the Raptors to get that stop. And that, that immediately led to, uh, a transition bucket for the Raptors, which was important. Um, but yeah, like ultimately you needed to find a way to stop him. I, the rest of the guys weren't as lethal. Like Brandon Miller certainly has been on fire recently. The rookie is impressive. Um, also got a history of his own as well which uh, if you're the Charlotte Hornets, they certainly have a type. Um, but yeah, I mean, he was making shots for sure. A lot of mid-range shots. Um, you know, he was also quite happy to take contested corner fading threes, which uh, the Raptors were able to stop a couple of times. But basically it was like, can you stop Bridges? Can you stop Martin? Martin kind of cooled off by the second half anyway. Um, but Bridges kept going and, and he finished with 45 points, a career high. He had 41 the last game as well. But you know, the rest of the guys, like, you should be able to find a way to sort of, you know, slow down to some degree. And, yeah, they, they were able to find Bridges. I, I think mostly it was he got too free, too open a lot of the times. I mean, there were sequences in the third quarter that were just downright embarrassing because he was hot the whole night. But there was a play where the Raptors lost and, you know, RJ lost Bridges on a back cut where he gave up an and one. Bridges then goes to the foul line, misses the free throw. The ball comes back to him eventually on that offensive rebound, and he drives baseline and gets the cup again for a layup. And it's like, you know, again, it's not the losses that bother me because you understand that they're rebuilding and then it's okay to a certain degree, but it's the bad habits that just cannot be there. Like even Darko said it after the, the Pelicans game. That was unacceptable what they did in that one. And and obviously there's a much easier opponent here, but, you know, you saw him like a response. It took a while for the response to kick in, but you did see that response. I think on the other end, you know, you saw the Raptors offensively, they could get to the paint. Now the Hornets did it. I mean, most of their priorities were trying to take away the paint. And so if the Raptors didn't also shoot well from three, uh, Raptors shot 17 of 33 for three and the Hornets shot well for three as well. So 16 of 39, six of those from, uh, from, from bridges. But yeah, the Raptors shot well from three off of kickouts, off of things like that. RJ had a funny moment post game when he got the walk off interview with Savannah Hamilton, where RJ said, you know, thankfully, and he kind of looked up into the sky like, you know, like, yeah, I mean, I was able to knock down my threes because, you know, if he doesn't go four or six from three, if he doesn't knock down several key threes down the stretch there, uh, Raptors probably don't have a chance in this one, even despite their defense picking up. But Raptors shot the three well off those kickouts. The Raptors moved the ball well off of those kickouts as well. Um, I think Scotty did a great job of putting pressure into the paint. Uh, consistently, he was getting downhill. And I know the stat line doesn't look enormous. 18 points, four rebounds, five assists is below his averages. But he did a really good job of just putting pressure downhill. And then the Raptors playing out of that. Um, 
you know, I think that uh, one of the prime examples of that was a key play late where Raptors got the stop. They hit it ahead to Scotty, even though he was just kind of one man in transition, drove it into, uh, pushed it into the paint, uh, drew multiple defenders to him, threw a cross score pass through a crowd to RJ, who was able to attack and drive from the other side of the floor. RJ takes a hard drive midair, throws a uh, pass back out to the perimeter, and then an extra pass to Quickly, who pump fakes, attacks a closeout, and gets in for a little scooping layup. That put the Raptors, I think, up three uh, with about two minutes left. It, things like that, like, you, you know, that's, that's not a stat for Scotty, but the fact that he pushed, the fact that, you know, he touched the paint, the fact that he made the right pass, and of course, there was two more right passes. Um, but that initial downhill action was from Scotty. Scotty also had a couple driving finishes as well as. I think him, RJ, RJ also did an amazing job curling. I mean, we, we get used to RJ now consistently finding his way downhill. I mean, RJ was pretty much the same game he's played all, um, you know, season since joining the Raptors. 23 points, 6 rebounds, 5 assists, 9 of 15 from the field. Of course, it helps that he knocked down 4 of 6 from 3, and we know that can come and go. But the thing that RJ consistently does is get downhill, find a way to get downhill. And he plays tough. He plays through contact. He's got a strategy. He's got good counters. He's good at eating bumps, rip throughs, things like that. He's able to tuck the ball and draw fouls. He just goes strong to the cup. And there's a certain art to it that, you know, out of everybody on the Raptors, RJ is the very best at it. Um, Scotty, I think, has the strength, and he does, he's probably the second best at it. Quickly is more like using the quickness and off the bounce and getting guys to bite on his pump fakes and then step through and stuff like that. Um, but RJ just gets to the basket and gets deep penetration to the paint, and then he's able to get to his left hand at all times. The one time he went for a right-handed layup, it he was actually so open, but he smoked it, which was actually just hilarious, um, just how one-handed he is. But I think the the downhill pressure that RJ brings, especially working off of those curls from Jakob, who Jakob tonight did a great job of just setting so many screen assists, just setting, creating that extra space for the Raptors to get downhill um, in towards the, the Hornets' uh, defense. But, you know, the other thing that RJ does is that when he takes a strong to the cup, like, it allows other guys to crash in on the glass. And at, two, at least two of his misses were immediately recycled into putbacks for Jakob Pertl. So, uh, I mean, whatever, 9 of 15 is already a pretty efficient stat line, but it's actually better than that because when you actually, you know, collapse the defense, get all the way to the best basket, like, you know, there are opportunities where um, other guys can feast, and Jakob did a great job of that. Right after that putback by Jakob, by the way, after, after a late RJ drive, Jakob then recovered and had a great block at the rim. Um, so things like that, I thought, I thought Jakob played a really good role just like, you know, um, defensively, uh, he's the only guy who gives some players some pause. I think, weirdly enough, when guys go one-on-one against them, I think they're, you know, the Hornets, for example, weren't too afraid of Jakob going one-on-one. I mean, they were they were attacking him, and a couple guys were finishing. But more than that, though, Jakob's help defense, Jakob's rebounding, um, and then the space that he creates with the screening downhill. Like, it wasn't a lot of, like, the Hornets have done a good job, and the Raptors have scored less and less on these plays where, you know, they would get the ball to the high elbow um, or at the elbow, and then... Uh, you know, they, they get a guard to set up, uh, you know, a, a, a pick for one of their wings to, you know, post up near the basket. They used to do this all the time with Pascal, but they did a lot for Scotty as well. Um, I think a lot of teams are snuffing that play out, um, which, I mean, about time, honestly, it's been like four, at least 50 games of the Raptors running that play like 10 times a night. But um, yeah, they're, they're getting fewer of those. So you're not seeing Jakob get as many like actual assists on those like high low passes. But what you are seeing from him is the fact that he's using the screening and and it's helping guys like quickly. Like there's a, there's a play to start the third quarter where, um, you know, Jakob set the screen, but then he flipped the screen last second to get uh, quickly that extra bit of space. Quickly also set him up to his defender nicely to get caught on that uh, on that flip on the screen. 
And why that's important is because I think to me, first off, quickly also nailed the, the pull up three, but you know, that's the chemistry that needs to develop between two guys, you know, like, and that only, that takes time. Like that takes both guys getting in the gym together. That takes guys understanding what each other wants to do, understanding each other's tendencies. And how much could Jakob really understand Emmanuel quickly's tendencies before they became teammates or before they had a lot of time on the court together, you know? So things, small things like that you saw, um, you know, and, and, and even Gary, I think Gary really could have had a really good game here if he stuck to just catching and shooting. Um, you know, that's primarily where his game is. When he went one-on-one and for those mid-range pull-ups, those were all, like, I think he, he yeah, so he made five baskets. Four of those were catch and shoots for three. One of those was a steal, which we got out in transition. And, I mean, Gary, had, we've definitely seen Gary have a weird thing where he struggles in transition, but this was his best transition finish ever as a Raptor where, uh, he took it strong and then showed it on one side of the hoop and went on the reverse side of the basket and threw it like high arcing off the glass perfectly to bounce in as he fell over. Honestly, could have even been an and one, but it's nevertheless a super tough finish from Gary in transition, which is usually rare because, you know, um, you know, yeah, we've just seen instances where he screwed those up, but he had a lot of mid-range pull-ups that if he just made one more pass, if he just like faked the mid-range and like whatever, if it's wide open and defenses are like completely dropped back, I don't mind Gary taking a mid-range pull-up. He's very good at those. But when it's like the ones where he has a crossover pull-up and fade or shoot over a contest or anything like that, like I would look for the swing right back out. Um, I mean, defenses are usually going to respect those anyway, but, and Gary does have a habit of making those, but they're just not great shots. And, I thought overall the Raptors got great offense against the Hornets pretty much all night long after the start of the game. Um, but some of those I thought were were excessive. And, you know, you got a strong performance off the bench from some of your vets. You know, Bruce Brown, um, after a shaky start to the game, uh, really settled in and, and you know, found a good rhythm in terms of what he should do. Like, this is a really ideal Bruce Brown game, not just for the Raptors, if he stays with the Raptors past his deadline, but for any team aqu- looking to acquire Bruce Brown. I mean, this is the integrated ad right here. This is a hashtag ad, but you saw you saw what Bruce Brown did there, right? Like, you know, dribble handoffs for your your wing and, and rolls to the basket. Um, being able to handle a little bit and, and initiate some offense. When the ball swings to him, he's pretty crafty. Like, yeah, he can shoot the pull-up three. Well, not the pull-up, he can catch and shoot three, but he also has the ability to handle, get downhill. He has a variety of finishes when he gets downhill, like little push floaters, something that go all the way to the basket. Looks like he can finish with either hand as well. More importantly, he just reads the defense well. You know, like there are certain games where, yeah, he will try to do too much, but that's on the context of the Raptors. You know, maybe he's trying to get guys going. Maybe he's not familiar with guys. I know he's not familiar with guys, so that happens. But when he actually plays off of those instincts, when he plays off of the advantages other guys give him, he's able to just maintain the downhill momentum of those. So you see the four assists. You see the fact that he got a couple of stops. You see the fact that, you know, uh, a couple of times the ball swung to him and he was able to take it all the way to the cup for a layup. Even late clock one time, he was like five seconds left, took his man off the dribble and got in for a layup. Little things like that. Like you, you just got to really appreciate and pay a first round pick for it. Um, anyway, uh, Dennis Schroeder. I thought he had a really nice game as well. Um, you saw Darko once again go to him um, to close games. That's been a consistent theme all season. And you saw why. Like, Dennis, I thought even though, you know, like a lot of the late game scenarios, the Raptors were smaller across the board, and Dennis had to guard, like, Brandon Miller on some possessions, things like that. Like, he actually did a really good job of just, like, pressing, staying in front, you know, like forcing guys to shoot over the top. Like, just, like, more fundamentally solid defense. Uh, than some of the younger guys who might have a better like defensive profile or maybe even like a defensive skill set, like just they're they're bigger and they're more athletic. But you know, I thought Dennis did a really good job defensively. 
Um, he also gave the Raptors a, a big boost in the third quarter because the Raptors a starting unit really, I mean, the Raptors were down at halftime anyway. They were down, what, six points at half? But the, the Hornets easily bumped out the double digits once again because the starters were playing poorly. Uh, and then Dennis came in earlier. By the way, the, apparently the reporters in, in in Charlotte were 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 noting that Darko really ripped into the team in the third quarter when again they were really you know losing um, in a way that they shouldn't be. To be frank, like I, I don't care about the tanking so much as I care about young guys actually stepping up and making improvements, and and that's why I'm enjoying this one so much. But um, you saw Darko yell into this, yell at his guys, and you saw him put in some of the vets. And Bruce Brown and Dennis Schroeder were a big part in what pulled the Raptors together and gave them some stability to, to, you know, in between that end of the third quarter, start the fourth quarter type of the vibe. And um, yeah, Dennis just did a great job um, with the scoring to begin with in the third quarter. Knocked down two catch and shoot threes. Uh, I think he had a driving and one as well. Set up a couple guys as well. Just just did a lot of decent things. And then defensively, it was just a big, you know, upgrade. Even Grady, who came off the bench, I mean, 15 minutes only got two shots. Um, you might argue that he could have, like, I don't know, looked for a shot more and more. I mean, to be honest, him looking for a shot is tough to do. I mean, he's he's operating off ball. You could, I suppose he can learn to cut and get better on those, and those things are for sure. But generally speaking, they weren't calling the plays for him as much. Like, you saw, for example, in the, in the Pelicans game, they were calling for that play where he's in the corner and there's, like, a double, you know, screen, and he comes off a dribble handoff in the middle of the floor and he's able to attack from there or maybe even pull up for three from there. Typically they've run it for him lower on the floor for like mid range shots, a, because he's a much better mid range shooter than three point shooter right now. But also B, I think for him, it's a, it's a more comfortable option where if he can up fake, he can step through and finish at the basket actually. But in the two opportunities where Grady was open, he was able to catch the ball and he was able to knock down the threes. Like the fact that he's played 15 minutes, knocked down two threes, got to a couple of rebounds uh, and got an assist. Like, that's all pretty good to me. So I thought the second unit actually came in and did decently. Um, I think, again, it's just you had to cope with it, right? Because the Hornets were shooting, like, unexpectedly from three. Like, just just, just Martin and Bridges alone just carried so much of their offense. Like, you could live with Miller to some degree because you could see the, the talent with Miller. Like, you know, he, he's long. He's athletic. Um, he, he looks like he really wants to compete, et cetera, et cetera. I, there's some comparisons made of Paul George, who he said was the GOAT. Um that was him, right? He said Paul George was the GOAT? I'm going to look that up. Hold on. Did he actually say that? Miller, Paul George, GOAT. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he, oh, that's, yeah, he did say that. Yeah, draft time. He said Paul George was his GOAT, which is interesting. You know, I, I'm a big fan of Podcast P as well. Um, but, uh, yeah, wow, okay. But in any case, like, you can see the comparisons to some degree. I think Paul George was, like, way more uh, quick twitch athletic in the way that I don't think Brandon is as much. Maybe that's just, like, Paul George came in with a really good handle. And so, you know, that allows him to be functionally like more athletic because he can get to the spots he wants to get to. Miller, I feel like he still needs to work on his handle more. Um, but in terms of as a jump shooter, I mean, he's pretty smooth. Uh, you know, and yeah, I mean, defensively, he's engaged, he's active. The thing is, like, the, short, the Hornets are still the Hornets, right? So, like, they're still going to make a bunch of boneheaded plays. Like, Nick Richards is going to still smoke layups and. Um, you know, guys, you know, it's, it's pretty easy to drive against them as well. Like their backup point guard with Ish Smith and Ish, he's been an all time Raptor killer in the past. Like this man has gotten his flowers on the, on the Raptors reaction programs of the past when it was at Raps Republic or when it was at Yahoo and now here as well. Like Ish is definitely, trust me, every time I see Ish Smith, I, I'm, I'm like the, I'm like the Rudy Gay. No, not this guy, not this guy. Cause he, again, he has killed the Raptors in the past. You know, you saw him tonight. He was able to collapse the paint a lot and, and, and kick out, and I thought he did a good job passing the ball for sure and putting pressure and setting guys up, but his own scoring wasn't really there, which 
uh, again, in the past, he used to just absolutely torch those man. Like, damn, <laughs> yeah, I, I got chills watching him sometimes. Um, it, it just wasn't, it just wasn't fathomable how like we have Kyle Lowry and like they have Ish Smith and Ish would be winning the matchup sometimes. Um, but yeah, overall, like just just a nice a nice game. I, I thought Darko. I mean, especially if he did tear into his players, I love that. Like, I, I I appreciate the nice guy act. I know that, or not an act. I appreciate just him being nice and genuine and sincere, and you know, holding a group together, and 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 all those things are good. But when you get into the game, like I do want sometimes to like get the coach to put the urgency into the players. And I don't know. I mean, maybe there's some way where they can prepare a little bit better. Of course, this is like out of my depth entirely because I'm not in coaches meetings. I don't know what their specific strategies are with like starter games or how they're prepping. But like you can't come out every game and have to call the first time out and be down like, you know, like last game, they were down 10 to 2. He called the first time out. This game, he was down uh, 13 or 12 to 3. He's got to call the first time out like those you just can't come out like that all the time whatever way he needs to address the the sharper start from the starting group he should do it because i thought only only guy who really was ready to start the game was scotty scotty was really good to start the game created the game's first eight points for toronto but by that point the hornets already had like 17 so still like if you can find a way to get better in the starting lineup that's got to be there um but overall i like the raptors um you know, process tonight. I thought any, every time the Charlotte threw a zone at them, the Raptors handled it really well as well. Except for one play where they had, like lost track of the shot clock. Scotty just kept holding onto it, and it was a shot clock violation. Um, clearly, he thought there was more time on the clock than that. But yeah, in general, the Raptors moved the ball well. Guys were able to cut, flash, and uh, you know, after a slow start, they did well. Um, I think the final thing was just, and you saw it twice late in the game, and and Alvin was really excited when they did it. But it was like quickly would have the ball, and then Scotty would come over to screen. And they did that twice. Um, I, it just didn't really produce much. Like, guys weren't really, like, doing it. The first one, so Scotty came over, and he, like, slipped out of the screen. So he didn't actually set the screen. He just kind of, like, slipped into a bit of, like, you know, open space. It wasn't even that open for the pass, nor was he that open to score from there. Um, so uh, you kind of totally understand why quickly didn't give him the ball there. And then the next time down, Scotty did set a firmer screen, and he got a switch, and the ball just went to Scotty iso and and again the shot clock really came down and scotty had to take a really quick like pull up just at the buzzer kind of thing and it's a very awkward play i mean i think you probably find it on social it's definitely going to trend but he like shot it and he hit like the top like the top top of the backboard on like a quick fire pull up three so that was a little strange but yeah i mean overall those two definitely need to work on that together right like especially if you're talking about those two as like two of your core three you want to see like synergistic elements between all three of those guys. I think Scotty and RJ have actually been able to play off of each other quite well so far. A lot of it is they divide the floor and then they swing the ball and the other guys attack off the catch. But I mean, I think RJ and Scotty have actually done a good job of that. Scotty set up RJ for a couple of his threes tonight. And then quickly and RJ have like built in chemistry from, you know, playing with the Knicks and they clearly look for each other and they know each other's spots. Well, you saw a play uh, from today where I forgot who had the ball at the top. But, you know, it was like, let, let's say it was RJ, you know, dribbling the ball towards quickly, who was coming towards him, um, got the quick dribble handoff and quickly immediately turned the, the, the corner with that extra momentum, attacked the dribble uh, uh, handout, you know, got past the, you know, I guess RJ's defender, you know, there for the help or is supposed to be. And he got all the way to the basket like they already have built in chemistry from New York, like uh Quickly's first basket as a Raptor was assisted by RJ on a cross-court pass. By the way, RJ has done a really good job with these, like, cross-court uh, skip passes 
for uh for threes we, we saw that tonight where rj had ish smith in the post double team came to him and he threw a beautiful cross court pass i think to grady actually uh for one of his two threes but the one point of connectivity right there's there's rj scotty connectivity uh, offensively there's rj quickly scotty uh, uh connectivity there isn't quickly scotty connectivity yet and and it's not something where you know you can't see it in the assist because i actually looked it up and you know, quickly has thrown like 20 assists to Scotty or something in his time here. And, and Scotty's assists quickly, I think even more than that. Um, but I think overall, when you just watch them on two man actions, they don't really get each other in that way. Like, I don't feel like Scotty understands, okay, this is how I'm going to get quickly open off of that screen. I don't think quickly knows how to pass to Scotty in a position where he really wants to score from either. So those are the things that are like worth tracking and that's why we watch these games i mean that and also like you know we're diehards but like those are the things to look out for is like how those two specifically um get more and more chemistry because we did see those two uh, try to run some pick and rolls late in the game and i know that's a big complaint after the okc game was like okay if you want to get scotty involved but you want to have quickly handled then you got to have scotty screen or 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 i guess scotty can cut but like one of those two um but you didn't see any of those elements so in this one you finally get another close game and you see how it goes. And yeah, you, you did see them um, involved. They just didn't quite know how to pair with each other. So I think that's going to take practice. It's going to take more time on the court. I don't think I don't see a reason why they can't figure it out. I mean, on paper, it makes complete sense. But in practice, it takes a little time. Like, it's not as simple as like, you, you know, you're playing 2K and you hold R1. And the guy comes over with the screen and you can select whether he picks, pops or slips or whatever. Like, um, you know, they, they got to figure that stuff out. But I'm sure they will. And um, yeah, just overall, I'm, I'm just happy the Raptors like, you know, played serious basketball, made that comeback in the fourth quarter. Um, and yeah, I mean, again, it's just about seeing the development of the young guys, right? So you saw that tonight. Unfortunately, you didn't see Jordan Wara. I, I continue to advocate for Jordan Wara. Like, I understand that the trade deadline is coming up and these other guys, if you're talking about just strictly winning right now, contribute more. Like, Bruce Brown is definitely a better player than Wara right now. But once some of these pieces ultimately get moved and we'll get clarity tomorrow after the deadline passes... Um. Then yeah, I do want to see more of the other guys come in and and and, and give some effort and 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 just you know um yeah I mean it, it's been I think I think overall like it's, especially if the young guys you know compete and play hard like this like you'll live with it like it's just like the OKC game like ultimately like you you be like your head could be a little hot because like you lost the uh, you know a double overtime game like you know so close kind of thing it could have been a win of the season quite frankly um. But still, like, you can live with it because you can see, like, the progress that the young guys are making. And tonight, um, yeah, you, you see the progress. You see that quickly was able to to get to his spots better. And 18 points, three rebounds, four assists uh, on 6 of 13 shooting with 3 of 6 from 3, 3 of 4 from the free throw line. I want to see him improve defensively. That's, I mean, I want to see, honestly, a lot of Raptors got to improve defensively. But quickly in particular, I think his on-ball defense guys kind of bully him and he kind of just gets excuse me out of the way. Um, I think he just, I just want to see him, you know, be stronger on that front. Maybe that comes with, like, physically getting stronger, too. But, um, yeah, I mean, you want to see these guys take steps forward. So I appreciate RJ coming back to the lineup. He uh, sat out the second half of back-to-back in New Orleans. I don't think it would have made a difference. New Orleans was, like, rolling the Raptors. But when RJ's in the game, though, I, I really do appreciate it. And I think for RJ, look, defensively, he's got to get better, too, right? Like, you don't look at RJ necessarily as a bad defender. And he's not, like, a bad defender. 
Um, but you saw like how many times Bridges got open. Like the fact that Bridges in the lineup where the last game he got 40 and then you come into this game, the number one item should be, okay, how do we stop Bridges? The fact that he still shoots 27 times is a failure of your defense, right? And I think RJ losing for back cuts, those are pretty obvious. But there's also other plays where like, you know, he's helping off of them or he's going under screens or um, he gets caught on the screen, like things like that. Like I, I think RJ wants to compete, wants to be better defensively. He just has to be though, because like, um, again, you're going to be counting on these guys. You're going to be counting on quickly to be a two-way player. Right now, he's more one-way. You got to count on RJ to be a two-way player. Right now, he's kind of like 1.5-way, you know? And then Scotty is like the, your only true two-way player on the floor most nights, um, and he can't do it alone, uh, even with Jakob there, although Jakob helps a ton. So you want to see that growth. But again, that's why you tune in to watch. So uh, in order to wrap up the show, your three stars from tonight's game, um, I'm hesitant to give I'm hesitant to give RJ uh, the first star. I mean, I think he was the one who first came to mind, but I think that that's a little unfair um, because of the fact that he didn't really compete that great defensively against uh, Bridges or even execute. Never forget compete, just execute. But uh, you know, I'll give the first out of Jakob. Uh, Jakob with a huge block late. Jakob with a couple key tip backs. Jakob with uh, making two free throws. He just did really well, man. And I, 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 you know, if the Raptors didn't have a center, and and this is the one where it's like the Raptors centers clearly outplayed Charlotte centers, like, yeah, I mean that would have been a difference in the game. But Jakob, you know, appreciate you. Twelve points, twelve rebounds, two assists, a block, five of seven from the field. I mean, he's <laughs> the last three games he's missed one shot, one shot, and now two shots, like total. The efficiency is wild, man. And and yeah, he's he's got some chemistry with Quickly. He's got some chemistry with Scotty. Those things are all quite good. Your second star. Um, I think I'll probably give it to Scotty. Honestly, I think his impact on both ends was really good. Again, to start the game, Scotty created the first eight points, and it felt like nobody else was really ready to play. Gary, I suppose, and catch a shoots, but you know he, he gets some of that back. But eighteen points, four rebounds, five assists, and one block is not like the, the huge numbers that we were used to. But I think it just consistently impact and consistently touching the paint was good. And then your third star, I think there's a good competition here. RJ really turned it around, so I'm gonna give it to RJ. But I think quickly has a shout here. I think Dennis honestly did a really great job too. But I'll give it to RJ. 23.6 rebounds, 5 assists on 9 of 15 shooting, 4 of 6 from 3 uh, an assist. And honestly, two of those misses, two of the six misses are Kobe assists. So um, I'm just going to take that off the ledger. He should really should be 9 of 14 or 9 of 13. But uh, in terms of your Gerald Henderson award winner for the random player who uh, burned the Raptors, uh, it's I mean, it's got to be like Cody Martin, man. Like, I, come on, man. He had 19 points, 5 rebounds, 8 assists, 2 steals. Was just everywhere, knocking out a whole bunch of shots, mid-range pull-ups, contested threes. Like, I, I know it's not like that, man. And I don't fully understand why he only played 28 minutes. He wasn't in foul trouble. Maybe that's tanking from the Hornets. I don't know. But ultimately, I don't care. Uh, he, I, I had seen enough of him in those 28 minutes. So thanks, everyone, for listening. Uh, if you, you know, programming, know, if you don't know already. But, yeah, we're having a three-hour uh raptors show uh with myself and blake murphy tomorrow we are going to go live from 1 p.m to 4 um by the way tentatively we do have dennis Schroeder scheduled to come talk to us which i don't know i mean uh, most nba players would avoid media at least on the eve of you know uh the deadline but you know dennis is willing to come on so what will you know who are we to say no and we're going to talk to him hopefully nothing happens live although you never know what what these dennis uh hits he he's he's called us from you know massages or photo shoots or practice or his house or in a in a car so i don't know the the next wildest thing would be if he got like you know something some of a transaction happened while he was on air but hopefully not because again he he did a great job and and you saw for example we've been talking about uh 
Minnesota as a potential opportunity. I think John Krasinski reported it that they were looking at Dennis and it was like, and you know, ultimately went with Monty Morris instead. Um, so who knows? That doesn't mean that that's the only suitor, but still, I don't want to just throw him away for nothing. Like, I think there's a tangible value he brings. And of course it's just about the usage and everything like that. But you know, I think there's a quality player in there and uh, we'll call him tomorrow um, just to get his thoughts on this game, get his thoughts on the deadline, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but otherwise, yeah, just, just tune in uh, from one to four. Thanks everyone for uh, listening, rating, reviewing, um, you know, and yeah, so you've been listening to the Raptors Reaction Podcast brought to you by Campbell's new Chunky Spicy Soup. It's time to get fired up. Uh, let's, let's talk more tomorrow.